I figure by now, you realize how great a pastor you have after listening to me. And I know it's hard right now because after you eat, all your blood is rushing to your stomach. And you're thinking, oh, no, we're going to have to listen to him again a little while. I'll try to be short if I can. It's just hard when you're speaking about the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ to cut it short. It's just hard to be short on it. Well, this morning, well, the first one, I spoke on the glory of Jesus Christ's triumphant death. But you think there's not much you can say more than that, don't you? But there is. Tonight, today, I'm not used to this two services like this. The I want to speak to you on the glory of Jesus Christ's victorious resurrection because guess what? It's based on his death and it's glorious. If you will, turn to Luke 24. And let's pray again. Oh, Lord God, our Heavenly Father, give us the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Yes. Help us, oh, Lord, to know the hope that we have in your calling. Amen. Help us to know the inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. Yes. But we ask especially, oh, Lord, you would help us to understand more of thy great exceeding power that you worked in the Lord Jesus Christ when you raised him from the dead and you sat him upon thy right hand, far above all rule and power and every name, the name that's in this life and in the one to come. Oh, Lord, grant us this, because only you can give eyes to see and ears to hear. Have mercy upon us. It's in Jesus' name I ask this. Amen. Amen. In Luke 24, verse 45. It says, then open he, that's Jesus, their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. This is after his resurrection. Right. He says, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the day of the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. Amen. And over in Acts chapter 1. Verse 21 and 22, Apostle Peter, being moved by God the Holy Ghost, they knew they needed another apostle because of Judas, of Jude, Judas. And he says this in verse 21 and 22, Wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus Christ went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. Amen. When they got ready to pick another apostle, one of the things he had to be was a witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we looked at it this morning. Turn again to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This morning I didn't read it all. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. It says, Moreover, brethren... I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Amen. And then in 2 Timothy, chapter 2, see, people that deny these things are pure ignorant, don't know what they're talking about. That's right. 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 8, 
Apostle Paul talking to Timothy, and he says this. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. That sounds like it's pretty important to me. He's instructing Timothy here, and he tells him to remember that. Tells him to remember that. In 1 Peter chapter 1, I'm a little hard time with this particular Bible. This is my Bible that I consider the king of all Bibles. Because how the Lord gave it to me one time is all these different people wanted to buy it, and I had to look at it every time I went to the bookstore. My Ox, my Cambridge Bible, I have about just wore it out. And I keep going and looking at this, and finally one day I came in, the Lord had mercy on me, and the bookstore guy looked at me and he says, Jim, he says, go ahead and buy this Bible. I said, I can't afford it. He said, oh, you can, because I'm dropping the price down today. He says, I know you want that Bible. And he gave it to me. It's the Cambridge Bible. I mean, Oxford Bible. Wide margins, just the best of the best, thing. and he just 50% off, and it just blew my mind. But I still have a hard time, like, going through it. But in First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy have begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. The resurrection is important. And these verses we looked at clearly establishes the fact that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is foundational to the gospel. But like I said earlier, we live in day and time, perilous times. How did it put it in another place? Where people were heaping up to themselves, sounds like a southerner to me, heaping up to themselves many teachers. They want to hear fables. You want to know why people, <laughs> they want to hear fables. Right. They don't want to know the truth. They want to know the truth. But I love the resurrection because it's based on the fact of the empty tomb. Over there in Jerusalem, on that first day, they went, and that tomb was empty. The tomb was empty. You know, the enemies could have searched hard and fall around, and if they'd found the body, they could have brought it forth, but they couldn't. So what they had to do, they had to pay off some soldiers to try to lie about it, because they knew what that meant. They knew what it meant. They knew what it meant. But I'm going to tell you something. The Roman soldiers said that Jesus was dead. Remember? Pilate sent them out. And they came to him, and they were shocked that he was already dead, and he took that spear, and they stabbed it in his side. They said he was dead. They said he was dead. And those disciples took his real body, not some kind of vision that they saw, not kind of some kind of spirit thing, but they actually took that dead body and they took it there, a sepulcher, put that body in that sepulcher right. and wrapped it up in all the spices and stuff they put on it. And they saw that he was dead. He didn't move at all. Turn to Matthew chapter 27. Just to remind you. Matthew chapter 27, start verse 62. It says, Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together into Pilate. Because I'll just put this little interjection here. They finally put him to death. They envied him. They knew what he was saying. And they remembered that for three hours, darkness was all over the earth. They knew strange things that happened. And they remembered what he had said. And they also remembered that he had said, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. Okay? 
Oh, this is why Jesus condemned them so much. They, much is given, much is required. It says, Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together in a pilot, saying, Sir, we remembered that that deceiver said, While he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Now he never said that exactly like that, so they even understood what he said. You realize that? Now I love this. They've already put him to death. He's dead. But they remembered what he said. And now they're terrified. It's not enough that he's dead. Now they've got to go to Pilate. And he said, Command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure unto the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so the last heir shall be worse than the first. Now what they got to worry about if he's really dead? <laughs> if he's just a man, he's just a blasphemer like they thought, what they got to worry about? What was it that was gnawing away at them? Well, guess what else I remind you? Something else happened that day in the temple. Do you remember what it was? The veil between the Holy of Holies split right down the middle. Let me tell you something. That high priest had bells on the end of his robe things there. When he went in there once a year, they were scared to death. Because if they didn't do everything proper, someone would have to pull him back out of there. And no one dared walk in there except the high priest. And here they are in the temple and all the stuff going on, and all of a sudden they look up, and the veil between the Holy of Holies just splits right down from the top. Right. Darkness for three hours. You don't have to be an idiot. Something's going on. Something's going on. And they saw these things. But I want you to know something on that first day. That stone was moved, and the sepulcher was empty. It was empty. But I got something to tell you. That stone wasn't rolled away to let Jesus out. Oh, no. Oh, no. He was already out. Amen. That stone was rolled away to let the witnesses come in and see that he was not there. There's his clothes just laying there. And there's an angel there to tell him, he's not here. He's not here. Because remember how slow, just like us, they were to believe. Remember how slow. Let me show you some of these witnesses. Turn to Matthew 28, verses 6 and 7. We'll go back up to verse 5. It says, And the angel answered and said unto the women that came back there, It says, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he has said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Come see the place where the Lord lay. He's not there. He's not there. Turn over to Acts chapter 1. I like this particular place, particular in Scripture. It says, guess what most newer translations try to do? They change a particular word here. Thank God for a King James Bible. Amen. In Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, it says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, and to the day which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Amen. Newer translations don't like that word, infallible. See, they don't like that word at all. And so that's just a good hint to you. They don't believe in the resurrection. 
They're just trying to find a way out. But by many infallible proofs, men seen of them forty days as speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Right. Turn over to John chapter 20. It's not far away. Verse 26. We looked at it earlier, but just to show you, it says, After eight days again the disciples were within, and Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. He didn't have to come in through the door. He came right through the wall. He has a glorified body. He didn't need the stone to be rolled away. He's already risen from the grave. Right. But notice, they saw him. They saw him. They saw him. And then turn back over to 1 Corinthians 15. You go, Jim, we already looked at that two times. Well, we're going to look a third time at some other verses. And that is, when you read down further, start with verse 5, it says, referring to Jesus, that he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve. After that, he was seen above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also as the one born out of due time. The apostle Paul was his enemy. He was deliberately going down the road to Damascus to pit believers and put them in jail, if need be, put them to death. And he met Jesus on the road. No one else seen him, but he's seen him. But not only that, let me tell you something. People can hallucinate. People can get visions. They can see all kind of things. I've been there, I know. But let me tell you something. 500 people at one time don't have the same hallucination, let alone about five or ten of them. 500 people at one time. Right. And Paul's bringing out here, if you don't believe him, some of them are still alive. You can go check it out. You can go check it out. That's a lot of witnesses, don't you think? That's right. That's a whole lot of witnesses. The reason why I bring this up is I'm not talking about some grand idea. Oh, and just make it all beautiful. Jesus died, and he was placed in that tomb, and he arose from the dead and left that tomb. Right. He appeared to his disciples, and it's so important because there can be no spiritual blessings without the fact of the resurrection. Because how do you know God accepted his sacrifice? The resurrection. Amen. Because if he did not accomplish his work, and he's dying in our place for the punishment of our sins, if he didn't accomplish it, he'd still have to be in that grave. He'd still have to be in that grave. He'd still have to be there. And I also like the fact that that means he overcame death as well. It looked like death had got him. The king of terrors that we fear so much. But it didn't get the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. Didn't have the last word. Not at all. Not at all. So I want to talk to you today about seven lines of thought about why Christ's resurrection is so glorious. First of all, it's a confirmation of the truthfulness of who he said he was. That's why they were scared. You realize that? That's why they're scared to death. Put some soldiers there. We remember what he said, and it sounds like to me, you might think I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. They understood what he was saying. In John chapter 10, verse 30 through 33, it says this. They're speaking to him, and Jesus says this. I and my Father are one. 
Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, because thou, being a man, makest thyself God. They understood exactly. In this same chapter, verse 17 and 18 says this, Therefore doeth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of the Father. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. No one else. No one else at all. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 38, it says, Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. They wanted a sign. He told them what the sign would be. And I think that's what they was worried about. He would rise from the grave. He would rise from the grave. Remember what they said? Oh, that last there will be worse than the first. They knew. They knew. Oh. And then back John to John chapter 20. Remember, I love this part. We looked at it before. We're looking at it again when he's standing before doubting Thomas. And it says, verse 27, Then he saith to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand and thrust it to my side. You realize Thomas stuck his hand in his side. Right. He told him to do it. And he says, And be not faithless, but believing. And what did Thomas do? And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Right. He knew only God could do this. He might have had doubts before, but he didn't have no doubts then. Didn't have any doubts at all. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? In John chapter 5, Jesus made another big, bold claim. In verse 22, it says, For the Father judgeth no man, but have committed all judgment to the Son. That's pretty bold, isn't it? You know, they believed in the judgment, and Jesus is telling them that the Father's given committed all judgment to him. Right. And in this same chapter, you go down to verse 27, and he says... And have given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. And then what? The verses we know so well. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all there in the grave shall hear his voice. And they sh- and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. But he's saying all this is coming back about his judgment with his voice. That's bold claims. Very bold claims. Very bold. But see, his resurrection confirmed everything that he taught and everything he said. Amen. He is who he is. Amen. Right. And then turn to Acts 17. You know, a lot of times people say, well, you know, there Jesus was talking to Jews. You know, how are you supposed to talk to Gentiles that didn't know all the stuff about the Old Testament and how they do? 
The Apostle Paul got a chance one time to do it. They even asked him to come there. He didn't force himself on it. And you know, here in chapter 17, it's what he said to them there at Mars Hill. And in verse 30 and 31, I love this especially. He says, In the times of this ignorance, God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. He's telling them, God has commanded all men everywhere to repent. Now watch. Because he have appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he have ordained. And then this. Whereof he have given assurance unto all men, and that he have raised him from the dead. You hear that? Don't doubt that he's going to be the judge because God has given assurance to all men. He raised him from the dead. Right. He raised him from the dead. Oh, and you heard what this says. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. But you know what's great about that day? We read about one or two people there, though, that were God's children, and they fall away. The rest fall. What's this babbling all about? Cross-resurrection is glorious as it's the termination of his state of humiliation. It finally ended. Now in John 17, the real Lord's Prayer, in verse 5, is this, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. He was aware of that. But while he was here, a state of humiliation. state of humiliation. In Philippians chapter 2, Verse 5, and we're told we're supposed to be humble the same way. It says, Let this mind be in you, which also, which was also in Christ Jesus, who be in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, because he knew he was God. But look what it says. But made himself of no reputation. When he was born, it was in a manger. A manger is not some little nice wooden thing. It's where you feed the cattle and everything. His first breath and smell was the stench of cows and sheep or whatever else was there. His audience was just some poor shepherds in the field. Now, of course, all the angels were singing. <laughs> okay. But nobody else was. Nobody else was. And then all his life, remember, despised, rejected of men. But he did it because he had a job to do. And he did it with joy. And he did it with determination. And look what it says. He took upon himself no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God have also have highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things of heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I don't know what Jehovah's Witnesses do with this verse. You know, they always claim to be a witness for Jehovah. Well, I'm a witness for Jehovah. But the Father says here and teaches that if you're going to glorify God, you do it by honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) But you see how glorious it is. And that's why the Father just raised him up to such heights. He was willing to humble himself. God of all creation. Be a man. A servant. A no-name town. Who is this? He didn't go to our schools. Who is this guy? Well, he's God in the flesh. God in the flesh. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, it says it this way. Verse 4. 
For though, and it's referring to Jesus Christ, for though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. He was willing to humble himself that low. Because be honest, do you really think me or you would be willing to humble ourselves that bad? Oh, no. The natural bend is to be the master, not a servant. But Jesus was willing to do that. Good, easy way to remember it's just the wound to the tomb. The wound to the tomb, the beginning and ending of his humiliation. Think how much it meant to him when he rose from the grave because he knew that part of his work was done. Was done. Because we read earlier how it, would, how it affected him. But it's not affecting him like that now. Not at all. Not right. at all. Right. And that leads to the next point is that God Christ's resurrection is glorious as it's the first step of his installation as the Masonic King and Lord. He was raised to the right hand of the Father. He's the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. His exaltation began. In the book of Ephesians, Paul puts it this way. Starting with verse 19. It was part of my prayer. He was saying, What is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and sat him in his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, and not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and have put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Right. Oh, no, he's not the servant anymore. Right. Now he's the Lord. Now he's the Lord. Amen. Because I'll remind you of something, as all of us need reminded about it, but especially a lot of people do. It's in Matthew chapter 28. I don't know why I hear so many people talking about the so-called Great Commission, and they kind of ignore something here. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, thus apostles, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Well, if all power is given to him in heaven and earth, and it is, how come they don't want to do what he says to do, whether it concerns church judgment, church organization, whatever it is, or the worship? Right. All power has been given to him. He knows this. He hasn't even gone to heaven yet, and he knows this. He knows this. His exaltation has begun. But turn over to Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10, there's two precious verses that says this. You know, he's referring to him again as, as how much superior he is as our great high priest compared to those priests under the Old Testament. And it says this, verse 12, But this man, it's Jesus Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from henceforth expect until his enemies be made his footstool. Amen. People can talk about conspiracies and all kind of things, the things that's going on in the world. But I got some good news for you. The world's going the way the Lord says it should go. Nations are raised up and nations are taken down. And it doesn't matter what means the Lord uses. He's ruling it all. You go, well, does it look that way? I had one person tell me once, it looks like the devil's winning. I said, oh, no, he was defeated a long time ago. Amen. 
I said, just because you can't see everything doesn't mean you know what's going on. I said, remember the servant with the Elisha. I'm Bible reading, reading about that. Remember? King got so frustrated, he said, let's just go get that prophet. And they take the whole army to go after one man of God. And they come there, got the town surrounded, but Elisha's not worried. He's not worried at all. And he praised the Lord to open up the eyes of his servant to see he was on their side. And then when he saw that, he goes, oh, he understood a little more then. But before then, he's terrified. A whole army coming after you? You know, what can you do? Well, you can do all kinds of stuff when the Lord's on your side. That's right. Amen? Yes. And I'll just remind you, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Oh, he's starting to reign and he is reigning now. Another thing about his resurrection that makes it so glorious and so glorious and everything is God's affirmation that he did accomplish the redemption. I've mentioned it earlier. It is finished. It's not a cry of despair. It's a cry of accomplishment. When someone's, you know, disappointed or whatever, they go, I tried. Oh, no, Jesus said it's finished. Right. It is finished. Do you think that cry was valid? Do you know for certain? They were reminding you some things without, you know, for time's sake, not turning all these verses. I said it earlier. Who tore that temple veil? Right. It was torn from the top to the bottom. That happened. Guess what else happened that day? Graves gave up some bodies, and not only did the bodies come up out of those graves, they went in town to talk to people. Right. <laughs> What's going on? What's going on? And not only that, we read that said the earth was shaking. Earthquake in Japan was probably nothing compared to this. Nothing compared to this. But my favorite verse, and I hope it's one of yours, is in Romans chapter 4. It says, Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Amen. That's the Lord confirming it. That's the Lord confirming it. Next time you doubt... Oh, child of God, your conscience is bothering you for your failures. Make a trip to the empty tomb and hear what God says. Raise for your justification. Raise for your justification. Your sins have been taken care of. Death has been conquered. Sin has been conquered. The devil's been conquered. Right. Oh, it's so glorious. Amen. So glorious. I pity the people who don't believe it. I don't know why it's so hard to believe God can do anything. Amen? Amen. In God's, I mean, Christ's resurrection is glorious as it's the certification, that means to declare true, of our bodily resurrection. Let me put it this way. You don't have to fear what death will do to you, whether you die of cancer or get blown to smithereens or someone, you know, they've hated the people of God so bad in times past. Was it William Tyndale, whoever? They dug up his bones and tried to burn them. Just, it's like those Pharisees. They got to do something. Their hatred. But you don't have to worry about that because our hope is one day we'll see Jesus as he is. And when we see him like that, that means we'll have a glorified body. Right. In the meantime, we know we'll be of just spirits made perfect. 
But one day, that's just the intermediate state. One day, we'll have glorified bodies. Right. Glorified bodies. That is our hope. Oh, that's our hope. And you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry at all. But turn back to Romans chapter 8. Remember, I know you remember this, but I just, I gotta look at it again. I hope that you enjoy it too. Romans chapter 8, verse 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. The redemption of our body. Do you realize there's some people that are conservative and don't believe that you have, your body will get redeemed. They just believe that you die and you'll go to heaven. Very subtle. But they don't believe there'll be a resurrection and giving you a glorified body. They don't believe it at all. Well, there's the verse. It says, For we are saved by hope, a hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why do we yet hope for it? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Amen. Amen. Oh, it's like I said earlier, our progress is so slow, so many failures. But guess what? God's taking care of it. You know, it seems like it takes you so long a time about overcoming some sin and trying to put it to death, try to do the best you can, just not even make preparations for it, make no provision for the flesh. And it's just so hard, and you have to work so hard. But one time, in an instant, in an instant, you'll have a perfect body, a glorified body. Oh, it'll be great. Think about that next time you get a little depressed. And I know what it's like. I know you might not believe it, but I do get depressed. I do get sad like anybody else. But I'll tell you something. Christ is the first fruits. He's the head and we're the body. And if the head rises from the grave, his body will too. Amen. And our Lord doesn't do anything halfway. We're told he's the first fruits. That implies there's other fruits coming as well. Right? I don't think I have to go into much detail about that because you've heard it so much recently. There is an empty tomb. Death doesn't have the last word. Oh, no. Oh, no. Not at all. And guess what else? Here in Romans 8, stay here. Christ's resurrection is glorious because it initiated a new phase of his high priestly ministry. And guess what that is? Intercession for his people. In Romans eight thirty four, it says... Who is he that condemneth? The devil can't. The justice can't say nothing. It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Now, those are precious words. Amen. Those are precious words. And then the next verse, and the verses follow, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Oh, God wants us to know. That Jesus has secured for us the impossibility, the impossibility of ever being separated from his love. There is nothing, not one thing. Who can condemn? Who can condemn? Not one thing. Because just in a figure of way speaking, because I know Jesus sitting in his right hand, it's like I said, there's those five scars. The blood has been shed. What can anybody say? Right. I say there's one word you can say. It's hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Right? Yes. After all that he went through and suffered for us, he ever lives to make sure that me and you are going to receive it all. Receive it all. Jesus puts in his claim to the Father for you and me. 
That's good. You think no one pays attention to you? You're just a nobody. You're not important. Well, I got news for you. If you're a child of God, you're important to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. You're important to Him. And guess what else? The final point. You go, oh, this is great. Christ's resurrection is glorious and that it establishes the configuration of all true and saving religion. What do you mean? Well, the salvation of spiritually dead, spiritually blinded, spiritually impotent sinners rests upon the resurrection because all who receive the salvation are changed people. Changed people. Christ died to make us good. Right. Christ died to make us holy. And people can say all kind of things, but the evidence is a changed life. Right. A changed life. In Colossians chapter 2, so you have to ask yourself, is there any evidence that your life has changed? In Colossians chapter 2, referring to baptism. I know baptism is figurative. You should know that. But it's figurative of something that really happened. Right. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13 says, Buried with him in baptism... Wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who have raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, have you quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. See, it's like Paul had to deal with. Oh, does this mean now we can just live any way we want? We can just go and sin? What's Paul's answer? God forbid. God forbid. But I was telling my daughter the other day, I said, you know how it is? Now we're getting closer to Easter. Everybody loves Jesus. Oh, everybody loves Jesus. Well, the people that really love Jesus have changed lives. They're walking in newness of life. Oh, I know. Death, I mean sin, hasn't died to us. But guess what? We've died to it. We're no longer slaves. We can't obey. We can walk in newness of life. We have the Spirit to help us. That's the promise. When Jesus rose back up from the grave and went up there, poured forth his Spirit upon all his people. All his people. All that received the salvation have died to their sins and walk in newness of life. That's the only way you go, well, well, you know, Jim, now come on now. You know, there's the unconverted elect. Well, only God knows who they are. Amen. Only way anybody else knows has any assurance is walking in newness of life. We don't do it in order to get saved. It shows that we are saved and are getting saved, practically speaking. That's the only way. Does the love of Christ constrain you? Do you love all the glory that you learn about his death and his resurrection? Does it mean anything to you? Or is it just a bunch of God words that you hear when you go to church? Don't be that way. Let me warn you. I went to the liberal church this week after week and his good little moral stories and all. We didn't have an invitation system and nobody was trying to cram a track down your throat. And oh, we just had such a beautiful building. I took my son by that building and showed him it's still there. Beautiful stained glass. Beautiful building. Beautiful carpet. I remember I think we had air conditioning for anybody else probably did around. Probably Christ Church might have had more than us. But, you know, I told my mother when I got older, I said, why did I go there? I didn't say nothing. I said, I pay attention. I hear what he's saying. It's nothing. It was nothing. 
Nothing at all. Nothing no different than anybody else was saying. But I'm here to tell you, you better listen to what Jesus says. And he says, if you love me, you do what I say to do. If you're one of his disciples, it'll be shown in your life. That's what we're saying in baptism. That's what we're saying in baptism. In Ephesians chapter 2, you know, we love verses 8 and 9. It says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And my fear is too many people stop right there. Right. There's a verse that follows that, and it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto what? Can someone help me? Good works. Amen. Good works. Which God have before ordained that we should walk in them. It took power to raise the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. And it takes power to change this lost sinner. But guess what? No matter how faint it is, there'll be a fire there and you can smell and you can see that fire. If you can't, what's wrong? Something's wrong. Something's wrong. In Second Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 17. It says, But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And I hope that you'll go forth from here to want to do that. You know, there's some people that can lift real strong weights. There's some people that can do all kind of things in this world. And I see people trying to glory in it all the time, but those people die and corrupt. Don't get me wrong, I see it even here. You know, don't get me wrong, not everybody, but it's a strange thing that I've seen today. Why is it that all the women still look so good and a lot of men around here, y'all look a little different? <laughs> don't get me wrong. You look a little different. Someone told me, says, women have makeup they can put on. I don't know about that. But it's all going to happen. Right. It's all going to happen. Men in this world, women, whatever, it's nothing. You want to glory. Glory in the Lord. Amen. It's uplifting to you. It's uplifting to others. It, other believers love to hear what the Lord has done for your life. And it's uplifting for you to hear it. Right. And it helps you. That's why the reason for a church. We need one another to build one another up. The Lord knows. Remember, there's that doubting Thomas. But remember what he told him? You believe because you've seen but blessed are who? Those who have not seen and believe. Right. It's been a long time since all this happened. All we have is God's word. Do you really believe it? I do. I hope you do. Amen. And I hope you act on it. And then just for lack of better words, I'll use scripture in Second Corinthians chapter 9. And this is the last thing. So I believe Apostle Paul put this in here. 2 Corinthians 9, 15 says, Thanks be to God, unto God for his unspeakable gift. Because I feel like I've just done such a poor job. I just wish I could have said just even more and just gone on and on and on. Our Lord is just so glorious. Amen. About in his death and about his resurrection. And I don't know about you. I just like to think about it and talk about it all the time. All the time. Someone thinks it's great that they can run so fast. They think it's so great they can do this or do that. But nothing compares to the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't we have a song, I think it's in the hymn book, where it says, All the stuff shines in this fair, but our Jesus shines even more. 
I grew up and was born here, and I tell you what, I know about the sun a little bit, and I love reading about the Apostle Paul, that when Jesus Christ met him on that road to Damascus, it was at noontime, and that is when the sun is the brightest and the hottest. And Paul said it shone brighter than that, the noontime sun. That's the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. And when Peter and James and they was up on the Mount of Transfiguration and they got a little bit of glimpse, oh, they knew. They never forgot. They never forgot. They told people we were there. We saw. We saw. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. Go from here today and seek to glorify him. Not yourself, but him. Amen. And all that we do, give all the glory to him. Amen. Amen. And I just want to thank you again for having me come down here and giving me the honor, the occasion to get to do this. It's a great pleasure, and I just want you to know it was a great encouragement to me. A great encouragement to me. I'm just sorry I couldn't be down here no sooner. And I'm sorry, I'll be honest with you, I'm sorry I have to go back so soon. But I do have a wife <laughs> and a daughter. But uh, I tell you what, it's, just, it's hard to go back. It's hard to go back. You've been that much of encouragement to me. All the stuff I do, and I just at lunchtime when all these little kids coming up to me, I got to be careful about this because I don't want to think I'm over the other. But oh, this one has already won my heart. We had a great laugh. Her father took off running because he knew what we was laughing about, so he knows who I'm talking about. But oh, his daughter's already won my heart. And then all these other little babies, all just everywhere, and all the other people pregnant. Then I look at Sister Rachel, and she's pregnant again. She's pregnant again. I'll be honest with you. I looked at Rhonda. I was beside her in the line, and I said, Huh, Rhonda, you're not pregnant, are you? She goes, I'm a grandmother. <laughs> but all these are blessings from the Lord. Amen. Oh, he just, he just pours it out. It's like David used to say, my cup runneth over. Right. And all that the Lord has done for us is just so good, so good. Amen. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Oh, Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee again for Thy unspeakable gift. Help us, oh Lord, not to forget. We're poor and we're needy. We get so carnal, oh Lord. We forget so easily. Oh, Lord, strengthen us with might by Thy Holy Spirit and help us to walk in the Holy Ghost Help us to be led by him, because we know, Lord, he always leads to the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to be more like him, and help us to walk in newness of life, and help us to never forget these things. Keep his death on the cross and his resurrection in our understanding nearby all the time, and help us to never get tired of it or to forget it. And it's in his precious name and for his sake we ask this. Amen. Amen.